What's going on, Misfits? It's me coming to you from Los Angeles. Yes, I'm still here. I'm out here writing on the show. If you listened to the last episode with Malcolm Barrett, you already know that. And I have to admit, between you and I, I am enjoying myself. A lot of things are working out. People have really come through and been really supportive of me. I've been performing. Blah, blah, blah. You don't care about that. Today's guest is comedian, actress, and singer Del Harrison. She was a friend of mine in New York. She moved down here. She's living her amazing California life. So she's super candid about speaking up on behalf of someone who is being taken advantage of and abused. So if you are one of those people who are looking out for the underdog or the little person, this episode salutes you. You're listening to Social Misfit. gentlemen welcome to another episode of social misfit with me your host chloe hilliard and i'm so excited because these next rounds of podcasts are all going to be recorded while i am in los angeles and that is where i am right now i'm sitting on the couch of comedian del harrison I'm in my living room because she has dogs. She got two dogs. So if you hear any dogs barking, these are her dogs. What are their names? <laughs> Jackie and Rudy. Jackie and Rudy. They're the star of every podcast. I just want you to know. I'm sure. This is Jackie. Is this Jackie staring <laughs> yeah, me that's down? Jackie the girl. Jackie staring me down like, listen, bitch. She's like. She likes me though. Rudy you know, don't really she does. like me. Rudy loves everyone, but he just is a skittish dog. Oh. But he's so sweet. Yeah, he's sweet. He's a little pudge pudge. Okay, so Dell is a comedian singer actress extraordinaire who left me in new york and moved to los angeles how long ago i moved a year and a half ago but this is what everybody does when they move to new york they don't tell anybody that they move in until they hear yeah and then you don't see them for a while you're like i think they living in now yeah what was the, why was that your plan why did you sneak, you know what sneak i move? said i wanted to have I said, if I, I want to blow up in New York, but if I don't blow up by the time I'm 40, I'm moving to L.A. Oh. And uh, I'm so glad I did. Like, yeah. because my quality of life is just so much better here. I got my sister is here. Mm-hmm. My aunt moved here because she was also moving from New oh. Orleans to L.A. at the time on a job. Uh, I got so much family from my mom and my dad's side. And girl, I, and then... It's like all the things that, you know, if you think about a town, uh, you know, the strategy you would have used back then yep. is the same strategy I'm using now. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, oh, okay, this is what I should have been doing, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I love it because, you know, now I like I'm only performing at the clubs, whereas in New York, I would just be standing on the sidelines, like, mm. you know, in some shows, some nights, yeah. but not... Uh, in the rotation got this club to go to that weekend this club mm-hmm. to go to that weekend it just seemed like it was just harder to break in yeah you know and um and all the advice that people have given me over the years i'm just using it here and it just seems to be instantaneous mm. you know uh, as far as like breaking in the clubs yeah. and working because also too i had formed some relationships out here so 
you know, yeah. I love it. Chloe's checking her phone, y'all. No, just I'm so not checking know. her phone. No, so this is what just, I, I didn't explain the, the premise of the podcast <laughs> to you. So the premise of the podcast is it's called Social Misfit. And each guest, we I have them read one of their social media posts and we talk about it and break it down. Oh, so, my God. So I screenshot some that you posted. So this, I'm about to have you read one. Oh, my God. And I think this is a good one since you kind of. So Which gonna, personality? So, Del, please. <sighs> Del, please uh, read us uh, <laughs> your social media. The post. moment that I've been avoiding for my entire career. It's not that bad. It's a good one. Okay, let me see. I knew it was gonna be some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you have to shovel peace to the side and do what you gotta do. Oh my god. So tell us about this. What? what? And you are a very peaceful person. This is a great idea. The (laughs) social misfits. Now I got to watch the shit I put online because if I do your podcast again, I don't need you. (laughs) I don't need explaining the shit I posted when I was pissed off. I want to hear. Exactly. We want to hear about it. And it was at it was at 558 (laughs) a.m. Oh, it was. Damn, I must have been mad. (laughs) I probably was just getting off the phone with my sister. What date was it? Uh, It was 729. Seven twenty nine. Yep, you weren't back yet, so I definitely was on the phone with you. So what happened? Sometimes you gotta shovel piece to decide and do what you gotta do. Yes, you know, um, I been I was dating this guy for two years, mm-hmm. and he has, you know, of course, because I'm forty two and I want to have a baby. So you know, in I look at I have to look at everything because mm-hmm. I don't want to be reproducing. You know, because I'm trying to rush with the Lord God for me and then I reproduce with a person that's, you know, not the person. Yeah. So anyway, so I, my man had a problem son. Like, you know, the, uh, let me just say that his wife passed away mm-hmm. and uh, they were together for 20 years and then she died of a heart attack all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And the kids that he raises are 10, were, were 10 and 7 at the time. The son being 7. Um uh the son has begun to grieve like when he sees me over there then it's just like a a reminder of my mom is not here and because my man has been sheltering this sadness with gifts oh no you know what i'm saying so you know the fuck you bitches are still rewarded with a slumber party because you feel sad because his mom is dying Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying or his mom is dead yeah and I watched this child. Uh, there's a sister who the sister is actually the witness to the mother's death mm. um, because she, her and the dad were out walking when the mother passed away. And um, so but the sister, you know, as all girls do, I'm sorry, guys, we're just better than you. OK, yeah. um, you know, in most ways. OK, <laughs> I've this is not male bashing by the way okay but anyway she's adjusted like a lot of girls do girls have mm-hmm. girlfriends so they have support they and can they talk can, to and aunties they can, and they can get their emotions out they can cry they can be upset yes nobody blames them or shuns them for that yes no one shuns the tears yeah and in fact everyone explains to you something that happened to them making you feel more normal for your mm-hmm. sadness at the time but anyway this girl is fantastic when i tell you she um 
was able to keep a job for three years. She graduated when she was 18, yeah. um, as every student does, but she had, had been working somewhere for three years. And the brother had become very jealous of the love the people um, had shown mm-hmm. to this girl. So in turn, he started being very violent to his sister. Mm. Now, I've just been in their lives for two years. But this has been going, the mom has passed years ago. Years ago. Mm-hmm. And this has been going on forever. So emotionally, he's still seven. He's right back there because yeah. the dad has just been shoving gifts down and feeling sorry. Yeah. But when you need to wring a person's neck, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and I don't know how ghetto your audience is. I'm assuming they're, you know, um, very upscale because Chloe is very upper echelon. Well, I don't you know, know why people think that. I get it popping. I know you do get it popping because we're <laughs> friends. And yeah. anytime you see her one get it popping friend, yeah. then you know that she gets it popping as yeah. well. Okay. Um, but, you know, I need you to check a nigga. That's what I need you to do. Yeah. I'm from that kind of family where the men in my family will take you outside and hog tie you and <laughs> beat the shit out of you. And, and guess what? You'll get the message immediately. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And his son had just become very disrespectful. But the main thing is the daughter was being abused. Mm. You kicking her door in. You calling her a thought ass bitch. Fuck you, bitch. You thought like, ass bitch like 15, in 16? front of the dad. Oh, no. OK, now this is my man that I am sitting here th- contemplating. Uh, having a child with Mm -hmm. and this lady is dead no one's here to defend her daughter and I'm in the house like look I need you to punch this nigga in his neck Mm -hmm. okay because I don't play that with you disrespecting what about her door you know where's her privacy this is a 19 year old girl in a house full of men you're not eager to restore her privacy as her dad as her dad her safety so Needless to say, one day I spoke with the daughter Mm -hmm. because sometimes as a new person coming to the relationships, you know, I'm already a controlling bitch. Oh, my God. (laughs) Can I see the end of a situation? And I just want to prevent that for you. But sometimes you got to let a person learn learn for themselves. Well, in the case of this girl, um, I could take no more. I already saw enough when I called when I saw you call her that ass bitch. And then the next day you called me a bald head ass bitch. And then you told me, fuck you. And then you told me I'm here to just suck your daddy dig. And then back to her being a thought ass bitch. And then back to calling your daddy a bitch ass nigga. Oh, no. Out the blue. So one day I'm talking to the daughter on the phone and I'm like, are you excited? Because we're going to be moving to the house in Clinton. You mm-hmm. know, now every day I've already like, you know, because I'm an adult, I understand that the child needs love. This child is grieving. Yes. But I also understand that you need someone professional to assist Absolutely. in his grieving. He needs to be somewhere where there is um, support mm-hmm. and other people with similar experiences. So he knows he's not alone. Exactly. So he can put his guard down and have these conversations. And have these conversations because it does hurt. Yeah. Everyone's out here hurting. But you know who doesn't give a fuck about the hurt? The police, nigga. You will be dead. Yeah. Because the one day I did call the police that same night he was thought ass bitching everybody mm-hmm. up. I called the police and girl, when I tell you this white man came to the door and this white man was looking like you better be fucking glad I did not catch this nigga in the street because he'll be dead. Wow. And that and guess what? Everyone had that same feeling. Like you just, you know what I'm saying? 
you begin to feel less sorry mm-hmm. for the backstory. Yeah. And I felt sorry for the backstory because I am that child. I was abused. I felt like the adult that was my guardian mm. did not come to my rescue. So I had a very disrespect for authority. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's where my I sympathize. But with girls, we have that support naturally. I'm talking to my aunt. Yeah. I'm talking to my father. I'm talking to my this. Your friends and your friends are like, Candell, come over this weekend. Yeah. And their mama's being extra nice yes. to you because they know your shit. Because they you know, know you're yeah. being in that situation. Well, this guy ain't got the support and um, and he needs the support. But anyway, back to me talking to the daughter about her being excited to move into the house. And the daughter says to me, um, no, I'm um, I'm not moving into the house with um, I'm my not living in there with Drew. I can't take it, mm-hmm. you know. And she was like, my father's been saying that he's going to do something about this for years. And he's never done anything. Every week he said he's going to go to, to, to um, therapy or he's going to call this and he's going to do that. He's going to take him to church. And he has done nothing. And she was like, Dale, you just got in our lives. This has been going on for the last five or six years. Mm. Okay? And uh, that really bothered me that I had been with this man uh, you know, appeasing him. He cursed the teacher out and because she takes his cell phone and, you know, him, his, the dad telling me because I'm in a relationship with the dad. Oh, can you pick up Drew's phone from the school when I should have been like, hell no. But because I'm the new girlfriend, and you don't know the full story. You know what I'm saying? I don't know the full story. So I'm just kind of picking it up. But even then I was alarmed like, OK, you know what? You know, why does he still have a phone? Yeah. If he's telling the teacher, fuck you, you know, but it had just progressed to where he was like, I'm not going to school and don't fucking talk to me. Oh, no. So I call the dad up because because I've been that little girl that um, has had to stand up for herself and protect herself mm-hmm. and rely on the Lord to protect herself. Yeah. You know, um, I was I called him up immediately and was like, oh, you're about to hate me because <laughs> we're not talking about shit else. Until you get this boy into some type of therapeutic residential boarding school mm-hmm. so that this guy can be given a second chance in society. He's Otherwise, still young enough. He's he will still be young dead. Enough. Except, yeah. And he's not just young enough, Chloe. Um, I looked up the schools. There are so many schools in Maryland where he lives at mm-hmm. that he can go to for free. Wow. He can, and you can do, there's even an emergency petition that you can do to get them to pick up your child. And have them go oh, yeah. un- against their will. Yeah. And this is the case. Because this child, I mean, this child threw rocks at his father. They just, so anyway, so. Uh, so what did you say when you said that to him on the phone? So he was like, I, you know, he's the type of guy that he knows you're right. But he feels like he doesn't want to create a record of psychiatric uh, problems for his son so he's always asking about well I mean is that going to stay on his record for, it doesn't matter if it's on his record no, if he needs to go to a place where he can uh, recover mm-hmm. from being and be whole grieving, and be whole yes. and, like, and they work with you you know you want to send them to military school only no. to have like, and they got to be there they got to they gotta stay at military school on their own recognizance yeah he is not going to do that. You, we're the adults. We tell you what the fuck to do. Exactly. Okay. I'm the adult. Don't no goddamn child got no choice over here. You know what I'm saying? So um, he just would agree and he would not 
follow through with mm. that school. And as a person that's been abused, I had to bail out of that relationship mm. because um, I need you to be the protector. And it it's so disheartening because this is a man that, I, when I tell you, I wasn't even working. This man was sending me money every week mm. to help sustain me yeah. out in L.A. I mean, of course, now, you know, with my little gigs here and there or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, I could rely on him for the things that I needed so much fun with this man. We smoked weed together. Sex was good, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you know, just really looking for you. Said you was gonna buy us a home, and you know, we about to move into this house, and you kept your word on yeah. that shit. But you know, when it comes down to protecting your daughter, you you just avoid your yeah. son at all cost, and none of that shit is now a plus because I don't want any. I only like money from you. If I know that I'm gonna be safe around your house, I'm yeah. not gonna be, you know, twice. Not, you're not, you're not buying me off. You can't buy me, me off. off. Okay. So I had stopped talking because I thought to myself, well, I'll just say I'm leaving you. Um, I can't, you know, and I called him up and I was like, I can't believe you're gonna lose everything. You're losing your daughter. Your daughter's not talking to you. You're losing your son. Of course, you know, daughter's gonna be back because she's young. She's not. She just yeah. hate her dad, you know. But I'm like, you're willing to lose everything. And, and, and you're keeping this child from healing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not putting them in the school. Like this one weekend of being taken to a place against your will and them transporting you to a school that you can't get out of so you can go to group therapy session yeah. to talk about the shit that hurts in the inside. I can't believe you wouldn't take a stand for that. Mm. And so I left him and he was like, cool. Like, it was like I was getting on his nerves every day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then I thought to myself, uh, I'm so torn with it. Like, do I say fuck it? Because everybody else is like, well, that's his child. What the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I'm thinking to myself, um, I would never. Uh, when I was molested, mm -hmm. okay, because I was molested when I was 10 years old. I wish somebody would have been like, I don't give a fuck if it's her. her yeah. Whoever child. Banging if I know it's not yeah. fixed, mm -hmm. I'm going to keep saying some shit until it's fixed. Yeah. Because that's what you have to do. You have to shovel peace mm -hmm. to the sides and do what you got to do because those people don't like it. My man is, is mad every time I mention that shit. <laughs> oh, so y'all got back together? No, we're oh. not back together. And I would never be with a person that cannot go to bat for their daughter. And I'm talking about the man for me is a man that will kill a nigga for his daughter. Yes. Yeah. And I'm talking about my daddy don't give a fuck about no results. He don't give a shit if the police standing right here. If you do anything to mm -hmm. me, he's coming for your ass. Yeah. I need that kind of guy. Otherwise, I'm just defenseless and stuck in the house against myself. And uh, I thought and thought and thought and thought and thought to myself, I should just leave it alone. Mm -hmm. But every time I think about this little girl, I think yeah. to myself, she is now out living other places. Wow. Yes. So he You're moved. Him and the son moved. And the daughter didn't move Pretty much because them. he said his son didn't move to the home. But because this has now turned into a person that I'm learning that just does not take the action. 
mm-hmm. just probably feels in the inside that he's going to grow out of it. And I feel him. I was very angry and grew out of it, but grew out of it with therapy yeah. that I had on my own as an adult yeah. that I could have had as a child if, you know what I'm saying? I had gotten it then or mm-hmm. some adult was like, I need you to help this girl. She's yeah. going through it. And uh, and I just decided one morning that uh, he still hadn't called. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to look up his deceased wife's picture mm-hmm. on Facebook. And everybody who was commenting and saying, I love her. I miss her. I just sent them a message and was wow. like, Katie needs your fucking help. We need an intervention. This is the situation. And I, you know. Don't, and I'm so glad I did because that child, that one of his guys that he had not been in contact with was the best man in his wedding, mm-hmm. called him and came over. Wow. And uh, there has been some progress. Now, there's not been enough where I'm like, hey, let's try to be together because it's just over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just over. Like, yeah. I'm already turned off. You ain't never going to do shit. Mm-hmm. You know, every time you keep saying you're doing shit, you're never going to do shit. But... um. Uh, the brother did uh, the sister visited recently last week his sister his uh, sister Mm -hmm. uh, not my man's sister my man's daughter Uh visited the home last week and the brother again hates her so much you know it's something wrong with a male child that hates his sister Mm -hmm. especially the sister that looks just like your dead mother well that's why you know what I'm saying that's why I know but it's like there's something not right in your brain when you're a boy that hates a girl yeah like normally brothers protect their sister. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hit her. So anyway, so he did defend his daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're still in touch with the daughter. Yeah. I'll call a check on her because mm-hmm. you know, I can only do, but so much, but I just promised myself, um, I'll, I'll just keep in contact with her for the rest of her life Yeah, because you need somebody that, uh, will have your back and, call to say what's up Mm -hmm. my mother has a friend like that you know what i'm saying my mother and i are so cool but sometimes you know i don't understand my mother she'll do some shit where i'm like well what the fuck was that you know um but i love my mother so much because my mother's delivered my aunt gwen who's essentially the responsible for how i can live in la and Mm -hmm. my mother's friend carolyn is always checking on me and yeah you know what i'm saying people will come through your parent even if you, your parent does can't not the do one it they'll come the through direct. yeah exactly because exactly. sometimes your parent is not built like that and that's with with my man mm-hmm. maybe he's just not built like that and i'll just support her yeah. and whatever her endeavors is you know the person that she calls you know here and there or that calls her here and there just to say what's up but you know i contemplated right before i sent that message or after i sent that message mm-hmm. i contemplated do I put the other people in the business because this is going to, you know, it's over once I do this. So what, you know what, what, what did your message say? Oh, my message said, um, I wish I could have pulled it well, up. You could paraphrase it. Um, but yeah, my message was just like, um, hi, hey, I'm Del. Hi, I'm Del. I was with Sterling. Cause most of them knew me mm-hmm. or knew of me. Yeah. Um, and just said, um, you know, I'm contacting you because, Sterling's daughter needs your help. Mm-hmm. She's being abused in the home and she has left her home because she feels that nothing has been done about it. And I'm going to tell you, I saw with my own eyes, this girl get hit with a shoe in her face mm. while being called a thought ass bitch by her younger brother and her daddy 
You know what I'm saying? All he said was, hey, we don't talk like that. Uh, well, apparently Motherfucker, you what you mean we don't talk like that? I need you to kill a nigga that's talking to your daughter yeah. like that. Yeah. Even if it's the nigga you created. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And he keeps saying, I don't want to use violence against my son. I, and that's commendable. So what about burning up the uh, PlayStation yep. that you bought for him? He would just and have I'm a bed about, in his room. About, well, I bought that. I don't want to waste the money. I said, you don't want to waste the money, but you want to waste your daughter's sanity? Because what I do is, if it's $300 I spend on you, I'll just put that shit in the trash can with a little gas and light a match. Yep. If you're disrespecting your sister, your sister who cleans up behind you, moves your bed. But, you you know, see, because you could, you could start the healing process mm-hmm. if the healing process was started at home. Yeah. But, no, your dad just rewards, 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 rewards. I want him to know somebody to love him. I don't want to use violence against my son. But your son used violence against everyone else yeah your son uses violence against your daughter mm. your daughter that does everything right that's graduated on the dean's list at the school that's put herself in college got herself a job at the government that's who you let move out into the street a beautiful girl yeah and as a girl that did went through the exact same thing when i was 19 years old moving out with my boyfriend because the molester had moved back into my home the wow. abuser was back did they know? Did your family know at that time? Yes. What? You know what I'm saying? People have their own struggles. Of And and I, look, you know, I was mad at my mother for years for, you know, you choosing this nigga. But now that I'm with this guy, it really lets me know how a woman can toy with being a bad mm-hmm. person. Because you know deep down inside they're not a fucked up person, but... Maybe you got to realize that they are. Yeah. And that's what I'm realizing. I don't choose my good time over a child that needs me to be like, hey, did you take care of the, your responsibility yeah. just yet? And make sure your daughter's safe on the fucking streets. You know what I'm saying? Because I can't have a good conversation. Like, I can't kick it back and be like, I, I, let me smoke weed. You know, we used to talk every night. Yeah. And I go out here and smoke weed. And we'll be kicking it for the last, you know what I'm saying? Hour or two before I sleep. We I can't, can't. We can't have small talk. No, there is no small talk. You have a terrorist in the house. I need to figure out. Did you keep this child safe? Did you put her door back up? Did you? Then you. Then you only put her door back up when you think that the rental office is going to charge you. Mm. You don't put her door back up for privacy. Wow. So, um. So how does he feel that now that you told? Like he knows you told his friends and family, and. Um, you know what? That's where the message come from. I don't give a fuck how you feel. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I don't give a fuck. I didn't even ask you. Yeah. I didn't discuss it with you because if you don't do what you got to do for your own daughter, then nigga, I can't, I got to do what I got to do so for your daughter. So he didn't call you like, damn, Dad, why'd you put me on No, he, he, because he's never been on the phone like, this my child, this my business. He's always like, I know you're right. It's just so hard. When you have a child, you're going to see how hard it is. But I'm like, that's, I, okay, we already heard the hard line yeah. already. The first 30 times, when are we going to get over the hard hump and get to the child's safety? Mm-hmm. Because is that what you want your daughter? Your, the memory of her is, you know, I got I had to move out to do what I got to do because my daddy yeah. kept saying he's doing it and he's not going to do it. 
Wow. Is that what you want in your daughter's memory bank? That means she's going to choose a nigga just like yep. her brother, just like her father. That's how a she, coward. That's what she think because that's what she think love is. And exactly. Exactly. So, but you know what? I'd be there the whole step of the way to be like, hey, no, no, no. I left your dad alone because he needs to do what he needs to do for you. Yeah. And I do not lay with niggas that don't go to bat for their daughter immediately. So and in your situation, when you were molested, did your dad know? No, my because my dad was on drugs at the time. Mm. So everybody's, uh, everybody is missing from the situation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's also a reason that I'm able to forgive and move on because I can't be like, oh, look what my mama did. Nigga, if my daddy was there, I wouldn't have had this shit happen in the first place yeah. if he was just off drugs. So everybody had their drug at the time. Yo, my mama's was dick. My daddy's was crack. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And um, uh, so you couldn't. So you couldn't really, as an adult looking back, you couldn't tr- truthfully fault them because they had their own vices. They had their own hardships. That's what it is. Everybody is not gonna handle it correctly. Yeah, and that's what I'm learning here is I don't hate him for not handling it correctly. You hate him for resisting the help. I hate the way you move in this situation. And this situation does not make me feel like you can protect a two-year-old in mm. your home. Yeah. Because your baby, your son, does not like you have showing love. That is who he lashes out at. Anybody you say you like, he hates them. Me, And so what's daughter, their relationship like? Huh? What's the father and son relationship like? He calls his father bitch-ass niggas. No. He throws rocks at his father. Do you know he, the son, the youngest son... Hit the daughter. Excuse me. The father hits punches the son, and the older son runs in the house and knocks the daddy over the head with a bottle. Though there's a younger son. There's the younger son is the one that abuses the daughter. And then there's the older. The older son. son doesn't come in and say, "Nigga, you hit my sister." The older son goes after the father. So that's why I was like, mm, all right, let me send these messages out to your friends and then I can let you go because I, I just need me a corny ass black man with a nice size dick. Thanks so much, guys, out there. If you listen, a, what is a nice size dick? Because I'm a size queen. So it's nice. Um, You know, not too much of it. I don't want it large because I mean, not not large, but I don't want it too large because I don't like a lot of sex. What? What? I don't like a lot of sex. Okay, what is that? It does it have to do with your past, or you just over it at this age? I just let me just tell you, if I could find me a nigga that to blow up with, where we just hustle hard in the day and cuddle at night, that's all I need. <laughs> I just want to like get up in your arms and check my email and see well, who's contacting me to About, be on TV. Yeah. That's it. That's like the life. Like I can, if I get an email saying I booked some shit, mm-hmm. I could just come on the spot right there. <laughs> that's how I come. Just offer me some shit and I could just like, I mean, then we can have sex as soon as I book some shit. Okay. I'm horny. So, so the more you work, the higher your sex drive. 
No, no. My sex drive is very rarely high. <laughs> it's only high when I meet someone and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm digging him. And I'll just because I'm like, I think I'm obsessive compulsive with dudes. OK, mm. like, well, I'll meet you and I'll be like, oh, I like him right here. And then we'll have sex usually on the first night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then uh, every night I'll be like, yeah, let's let's have sex. And then, you know, it's like the the, the cookies. I love oatmeal cookies. <laughs> and I'm going to just get an oatmeal cookie every night yeah. and then three months later you look up and you be like i i hate oatmeal cookies <laughs> i i can't take another yeah never again cookie. i i don't want to see you oatmeal cookie. and that's how i am with sex it just mm. wears me out if but you what if, but if, what if we did it the old-fashioned way if like you met somebody and then you didn't sleep with them for like three months and that's how i did this guy Oh. And we really spent time building a relationship on the phone, which is why I toyed so much. I was like, am I bailing out when times are tough? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how I feel like I did but, on yeah, all the relationships. Yeah, but times this isn't are time tough. isn't tough. This is who he is. It's not about time. I know. Tough. I know. This is for years. I, and you, and you, I didn't realize he had an older son. So the older son don't respect him either. And doesn't. And he has a son even older than that. And they don't talk. So it's like. So it's him. It's. You, you're the common denominator in all of that. And now we don't talk. And now your daughter doesn't talk to you. And you don't talk to your mother. And you this and that. And it's just like, you know, he's not all bad and wrong in every situation. But um, he doesn't know how to parent. And nobody really knows how to parent. You just try to do the best thing you can yeah. do. And he thinks that letting them know I'll be right there for you to you know to get you this thing you want i'll be i'll come and get you out of jail i'll you know i'm your father i'm down for you he's he, it's, it's like he's dating the kids and constantly trying to prove his love mm -hmm. and the daughter's love is already proven so he'd be like well i mean she know i got her back to you because i'll just do anything for you you know what i'm saying yeah. like you're vying for their love but i'm like he needs you to whip his ass so when you say that you you need a man that you know will whip whip somebody's ass for you when did you feel like you had that love from your from your parents? Because you said that, you know, they were when you were younger, they weren't as present emotionally as you needed. But they were there here and there. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We I mean, as every child, you have those tumultuous times. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like, um, you know, when I, re I remember my dad, me wanting this dude from around the corner. I maybe maybe I'm 10. This dude is might be 13. I remember my dad being like, you brought a grown goddamn man to my house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And being like, uh, excuse me, what the fuck you doing here? You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't like, tell him in the background, tell him I said he need to go right now. It wasn't like that. He came right out to the door and be like, nigga, get the fuck off my porch right now. Or it's about to be problem. Where you live at? And the guy was like, oh, it's no problem. Oh, I know it ain't no fucking problem. Get the fuck off my porch. He's 13. 13. But, you know, my dad was not. But that set a tone. Know, that set a tone. Yeah. For the type of guy. And also my mother's brothers. Now, I was raped. My mother, I stayed with my mother, you know, up until I was 10. Basically, mm -hmm. I stayed with my mother uh, so when, I was, so when you were abused, people knew at that moment, and then you no, left the house. Oh, no, okay. my a lot of my family still don't even know. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Because when it's you and your mother, see, and that's another thing too. When and that's another thing about that daughter is when it's you and your father and y'all, it's y'all against the world. Then you're not as 
you're not as quick to go tell a person that your your ride or die person is, is let this be done to you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You just you just want to cover them up because you still got love for them. You you got the innocent child love. You yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, but anyway, but my uncles have always been there. Um, and I've lived, you know, I lived with my mother at the time of my abuse for that one year. Can you believe it? Mm. So I lived with my mother up until I was seven. My mother went to school in D.C. Uh, when and you she, grew up in New Orleans. I grew up in New Orleans mm-hmm. until I was seven. Went to school. My mother dropped me off at my grandma's house. That's why I lived there from seven to ten. Mm-hmm. I went to that school one year with my mother. That's when that happened. In D.C.? And then, uh-uh, in D.C., in mm-hmm. Maryland, really. Mm-hmm. But, you know, right outside of D.C. Yeah. And then... Um, when that happened, I remember crying in the kitchen window, begging my grandma to send for me. I want to come back down. I never said what it was, but I was just like, I hate it here. Mm. I hate it here. I want to come home. And I was calling my grandma every day. Like every day my mother would go to work. And um, I think this dude would not be there for some reason. And my grandma would call to check on me every day. And I would be like, I want to come home. Mm-hmm. I want to come home. I want to come home. You know? So, um, and they somehow I got back down there mm. and that's when I was this, the same as Sterling's son. I did not remember when I was down at my grandma's house. Oh, I just was molested every night. Somehow that repressed in my memory. I did not remember it again until I saw this guy, uh, until I heard this guy on my mother's voicemail when I was 17 saying, Hey, I, so you moving? I'm, I'm going to be there tomorrow to help you move. And then it all, that's when I downward spiraled. Wow. I downward spiraled. Like, what the fuck is this guy doing back? Because I guess all those years, I don't, I didn't know where he went. I just know I told him. I thought somehow she had just gotten rid of this dude for Oh, me. so you told your mom between 10 and 17, you told oh your mom. Oh my God. I told her right when it was happening. Wow. I hold it right when it was happening. But, you know, as a young mother, you don't know what the fuck to do. You talk to a person, you think that's going to be the it. You know what I'm saying? But you got to go to work. You can't take your child with you everywhere. You don't know nobody in that town. It's just yeah. not safe for you and your child in that town. Where do you leave him? Then I was going up the street to the neighbor's house, but the neighbor was, uh, her daughter was a little young lesbian. Somebody probably molested her. Mm-hmm. So when I would be getting in the bed at night, she would be humping oh. me back and forth at night. So it would be like, okay, who do I want to get fucked by tonight? Either mm. this girl over here or this guy right here. I mean, he wasn't sticking it in, yeah. but he definitely was, you know, molesting me with his hands. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it was just that. It was like this t- tumultuous year. But let me just tell you, oh, two for the record, for the social misfitites out there. <laughs> um, I am so glad that that year happened to me because mm. in that year, I went to this school called Kenmore in Landover, Maryland, where um, I don't even remember. I remember, I, I think I remember having a fight. These girls was trying to jump me uh, one time. I think I remember having a fight with some other girls another time. And, uh, and not too much from that year. You know, just basically, I just lived my life like, fuck everybody from that school. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they're all dead. Okay? <laughs> because that was just a tumultuous year. And that's how we think. Yeah, because you were, you were a, a, a southern, southern girl. Yes. In, in Maryland. Yes. So you was like, yes. New Hampshire. And I remember getting beat up a lot mm. at that school. Okay? And I just was like, fuck that whole town, basically. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But when I first started doing comedy... Uh, I, when I was 29, now that happened when I was 10, when I first started doing comedy, when I was 10 and 29, uh, I got off stage. I went to this, uh, I think it was like my third show. 
Mm-hmm. Third show, a third time ever doing comedy. And this is in New York. And this is in Arlington, Virginia. Oh, okay. Uh, I got off stage and I think the set went well, you know? And uh, this guy was like, I know you from somewhere. And uh, of course, you know, me thinking, nigga, get the fuck out of my face, please. You don't know me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because I'm thinking he's trying to holler. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, 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 no. What is your name? And I say Dell. And he was like, um, no, no, no. It feels like you have another name. Is there, do you have something else? And I said, Delisi. And he was like, Delisi Harrison from Kenmore High, from Kenmore Middle School in Miss So-and-So's class. That guy was in that school. He was also a comedian, Lawrence Owens. Wow. Okay. And that is the one guy that took me, trained me, took me to this writing class for comedy, used to put me on shows, trained me how to host, was there. He brought me, it was like a boot camp for like three years. He would be like, all right, do this. You said do this. And I mean, I just thank the Lord so much that, you know how they say you got to wear the, you got to, you got to bear the cross before you wear the crown. Mm -hmm. I feel like. That's the reason he let me suffer that year because that one dude was going to be there to recognize me because I definitely didn't recognize him. It could have been anybody, but I felt like I did remember him as a kid in that school, you know, because his energy was familiar, but I had just blocked everything out. But I do um, thank the Lord because that's that's, that's amazing. Yes. Because he saw something in you. Yes. And you know, this segue is good to comedy because, you know, being a woman in comedy, most men ain't doing all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, I still, you know, sometimes he kisses me and I'm like, you just, the kiss is just too (laughs) wet. Just get the fuck away from me because, see, it just turns me off when, you know, you just, anyway, um, (laughs) speaking of wet kisses, Chloe is now being tongue kissed by my dog Jackie She's all in my face who she, is gonna is lick all the yes yeah, she is so friendly okay mama you gotta get down sorry she saw the smell in my armpit uh-huh. and I was like now you're doing too much yep and and that's because she she's like listen here do you wear deodorant because my mom doesn't <laughs> and uh and it's a funky good time up under there she smells your armpits who? She does that no, regularly? No, she smells everything. You know, she's a dog. <laughs> she smells everything. My dog does not. My dog will sniff for like a second and then be like, I'm over it. Really? I have a pug. She don't care. Um, That's just like your dog because dogs take on the, your personality. personality. Isn't that interesting? They do. But you have two dogs. So how do they, how do they split? How do they split? Oh, no. My person? shit is split. <laughs> <laughs> so, which, what, so what does each dog represent from you? This is Jackie, um, the female dog. Jackie represents the go-getter in me. Mm-hmm. You know, she will do. She works very hard. She do it to death. She do something every day. She like, what? You ready to go? She like, I'm ready to go. I don't sleep. What? <laughs> Rudy represents snuggle bunny snacker. <laughs> That's what he is. He's Rudy's like, a what? pudgy one. He's a yeah. pudgy one. Oh, yeah. He's like, I ain't nothing wrong with a big stomach. <laughs> Let me get some of those chips. No, seriously, Ma, let me get a few more of those chips. You going to bed? I want to snuggle, too. That's what Rudy represents. <laughs> well, they're adorable dogs. Wait, so I did not realize you weren't in New York that long, because that's when I met you in New York. When did you? No, I was in New York for 10 years. So you started comedy at 29 in Maryland? Yeah, in D.C., in, in the D. Maryland, D.C. area. And then moved to New York when? Three years after that? No, eight months later. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I had been saying I want to move to New York. 
and my mother sold her condo and was moving. I was actually renting the home I was living in was my mother's home mm-hmm. and I was renting it for my mom. And uh, she was moving back into her house and she was like, you, you, be, if you're going to get to New York, you better, you better get stepping, <laughs> you know? And every day she used to be like, now you still moving to New York, right? You know? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm still moving up there. And then we'll eat some food at night. And she'd be like, now, and you still playing on going to New York, right? Like, you cannot stay here, okay? I need you out pursuing your shit. Wow. Out pursuing your shit. And you moved to New York. Yep. See, I've never moved anywhere. I've never left New York. I've never moved. I've never lived outside of New York. So when I hear you saying, like, you grew up in New Orleans, you went to Maryland, you yep. went back to New Orleans, you went back to Maryland, then you went to New York, and now you're in L.A. Like, I'm like, I don't even know how Yes. to handle that. Because you're a big city girl. I know. Big city girls don't have to move. It's so that it's like Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, all of that shit is New Orleans, DC, and Maryland. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's literally like so vast yeah. up there. Yeah. Every day someone's like, When are you moving here? Without and everybody that I met that used to live in New York, comedians, they're like, Oh, I love it. Like when I saw you the other yeah. night, uh, yeah. we were at the comedy store, you were like, I love it. I yes. love it so much. It's yes. the best thing ever. It's the best thing ever. And you know what? Um I in New York, because New York is so humongous. Yeah. Even though LA is big too. Um, even my quality of relationships with other comics. We've never had no Mm-mm. in-home visit before no. like and i've had a lot of people in the home that in new york it wasn't like hey girl just saw you at the stand what you doing this weekend yeah. it was like hey girl i'm gonna see you out on the circuit because you know i got this 45 minute train ride i got that <laughs> get cooking that was one of the longest train rides i've ever took is when you used to have your show in the bronx girl and i lived in brooklyn and i was a brand new comic and i was like i'm gonna go i'm gonna go she gave me a spot i'm going and i took five trains yes. from Brooklyn to the Bronx. Yes. And, and that's her, in her neighborhood. Not, that's where she from. The niggas sister. did not give a fuck <laughs> about a show, about a bar. They didn't give a fuck about nothing. <laughs> no, in but you place. did good that night. I did well, but you know, the thing is also because it was a, a heavily West Indian audience. I know. And I'm not West Indian, so no. But you did well. I did well. They didn't. They didn't totally disrespect me. They. They didn't. They. they but they was it. laughing at you. I know they were laughing, but you know what I'm saying. It's like you can tell when they look, cause like West Indians, they'll look at you like, mm, mm, yeah, mm, yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. West West Indians have, and this is from being around the Jamaican. Car- I'm telling you, I'm an honorary Jamaican. That's it's. I'm 50 percent honorary Jamaican and 50 percent honorary white. Okay, guys, <laughs> thanks so much. Um. They all have resting bitch face. Yes. And it's, when I tell you, the sweetest people ever, but all resting bitch face. So you will think. They hate your guts. Yeah. You'll think, damn, they hate you. But they're not hating you. They're just like, is she going to be, let me see where the joke is going. Yeah. And at the end, they were like, good job. You did a good job. You were like, thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I wasn't even. I think I was running around when you were performing. Yeah. You know, that's the one symbol in a black audience when you know somebody is doing good when you don't see them perform because I can hear the laughter. Yeah. Like when some people be real wag, I like let them off and then I stay one seat away from the stage. <laughs> like this is not about to go well. Okay. With you, I was like in a DJ booth getting the song you ready. Damn, it sure was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was 
like, did she like me? Damn, I'm for a little <laughs> No, while. I didn't like you. You came off a yard. I'm like, you done? Popping out the DJ booth. Like, that's how it is. But yeah. that show motivated me to move to L.A. too, girl, because I had been doing that show six years. Wow. Caribbean Every Wednesday. Wednesdays. Five years, I think. It was like almost six when I gave it to, um, gave it, gave the show away. Mm-hmm. And uh, girl, I moved. It, it really wasn't just show. It was this new apartment I have. The landlord uh, was selling the building. So I moved to Crown Heights. Yeah. The apartment in Crown Heights was on at the end of the four line. Ooh. Okay. And the, I was at the show, y'all, for the listeners, was the end of the five. So no matter where you are, just think of traveling an hour and 45 minutes. Yep. By train to get to a show. And then I got to travel an hour and 45 minutes. No, actually two hours, two and a half hours, sometimes three home. Because the shit is running low and it's cold. And it's outdoor platforms. When I tell you, I used to be getting to that show. Grouchy is I don't know what, Chloe. I would be like, if anybody talk, I will end this shit right now. <laughs> I wish I would like, right. But party was like, nah, I better not. I done travel 45 hours to get here. No, done. but that's why I was like, my patience had grown thin. Like, okay, I've been dealing with this when I'll be able to get rides to the A train and go right to bed mm-hmm. You know, but when I used to be having to go right to that, you know, that last stop on the other train, getting home at 3 a.m., got to be up by 8 girl and then you know it takes you like an hour and something to wind, wind down. down that people don't understand that people that wind down is real it's real it's really real it's real because like, you come home and you're, you're adrenaline if you had a good night your adrenaline is pumping you thinking about the new stuff you said off the top of your head yes. and how you could turn it into a real joke yes because it was so great the first time yes. and they never really write until like the 10 15 time after yes. that then you sit down on the couch you say you want to watch something you turn a tv on you don't even turn it to nothing the tv's on staring back at you you're yes. stuck in one spot on the couch yes. they be like should i get something to eat not too heavy though Something really light. You yeah. get your bowl of cereal. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you don't want to put the bowl of cereal back in the sink because you're lazy. Yes. The mice might be out. Yes. <laughs> All of that shit. So needless to say, every week when I'll be getting up Thursday morning tired and shit mm. from that show, I used to be coming there. I used to be like, I wish I would have to say shut the fuck up <laughs> to anybody up in this bitch. And I took an hour because I used to be coming from Manhattan, going home to walk and feed the dogs oh, yeah. to Brooklyn. Th- that was like already a 45 minute ride on yeah. the train then getting back on the train not even resting on that i used to like just roll me a joint you know what i'm saying yeah. get back on the train have to smoke the joint on my walk there getting girl and now you like, have a show here in la right yep and now i have the most fantastic show and oh my god i wish she was gonna be here I don't. We do it every other month. It's called Stand Up Storytelling and Singing. Um, it's at the Hollywood Improv Lab. And guys, we when I tell y'all for the listeners out there, please follow Stand Up Storytelling Singing. S A N G I N S A N G I N. Stand Up Storytelling Singing on Instagram, so you can see when the next shows are because. That show is so hot. We've been yeah. doing it for a year. Wow. We mix, uh, we invite the best stand-ups, the hottest storytellers, and we do our originals and covers with a live band. Wow. And all the people that are booked on the show, because, you know, comedians are very multi-talented. Yeah. So we invite everybody on the show to do one, two, or all three. Mm. And it's so fantastic because people be coming in singing, telling a little story, doing their stand-up. Sometimes people will give them a story from the audience. Sometimes we bring the audience on stage to sing one of the covers. Yeah. 
it's amazing. I host it with my sister April Ruffin. Oh, you two do it together. Yeah. Oh, so my sister's a dope singer. Yes. Oh. Yes. April April is Dell's sister. She's sitting here quietly listening to yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's a dope show. And when I tell you we've had some great people on that's why I wish it was here so much. I need well I don't know if I, I don't, this is the thing. I'm from New York city. All my family is there. So it's not that I don't want to leave. Actually, my mom, when I, when I, so basically I'm here, I'm here for a writing job and it kind of came like kind of quickly. And so I told my mother and she was like, I hope you don't come back. I was like, really? She was like, I hope she was like, I want you to like go spread your wings. She was like, I know, you know, you know, cause as a black woman, we do a lot for our family. Yeah. We do a lot, whether it's like emotional or financial, especially with your mom. You know, you it, I'm the oldest daughter. So there's a lot of stuff that, especially because we don't have, you know, I'm saying you and I, like, yeah. we don't have children. So yeah. your family is still your primary family. Yeah. And it isn't until you meet somebody, you get married, you decide to have your own children where you are allowed to, like, step away. Yeah. And and people respect it. So, like, even, like, even now I'm 36, but it's still like, oh, I still have to kind of be at my family's for thanksgiving there's yeah. no way to get out of that yeah not that i don't want to be there but i really don't have no other option yeah so the holidays are still with my mom and my dad and my brother yeah because it's like who else you, you ain't gonna know girl. yeah you ain't doing nothing else yeah you gonna sit at home and order chinese food get your ass over here and have yeah thanksgiving. so i think part of that is kind of like mm, maybe not not to get away from my family but i understand why my mother like wants me to be able to have some distance so i can truly just selfishly fly not selfishly but it's not, it's not but like focus on myself but not selfish if yeah yeah no yeah. but you in stand-up you got to be a little selfish in entertainment yeah. you have to you have to have that me 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 me, me thing yeah. about you otherwise you'll just be uh overexerted at the end mm-hmm. of the day you know what true, I'm saying? all this true. energy just going out you want to do this you want to do that it takes a lot of energy to yeah. do this thing you're constantly getting you know trying to get jobs saying and, no last minute like yeah. i mean my, i miss my mother's birthday my mother's 60th birthday this week because i'm wow. out here yeah and she's fine she's cool yeah. with it you know like i made sure she had a nice day yeah but you know i think if if i was if when you're home, it's hard to miss those things versus when you're away. People yeah. like we understand that yeah. you're not here. So yeah. we see when we see you, we would appreciate and value that time that you give us. Yeah. But how do you say you want to have a child? So how are you going to manage that? You know what? I just said to myself, I'm just going to let the Lord handle everything mm-hmm. because. I've been trying to handle it myself like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pick this guy. I'm going to get with this guy. And I ever since I just left this dude alone, I feel so free. Yeah. Like, I don't feel void of love. I love the attention that I get out from the guys who will be like, you got a man. And it's just like, I can Wait, just Wait, so you meeting guys think. in L.A.? Because I've been here. Yeah. The scene looked really dry. Girl, here and there. I mean, I'm talking about <laughs> attention like other you know, uh, guys in the industry who mm-hmm. may see you out and be like, oh, you're looking good. You lost weight. Or, oh, I know you had, you know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. Yeah. I have met a couple of dudes online. I, met, I mean, I guess I, I went on Bumble. Listen, I'm, I joined Bumble right before I came out here. Uh-huh. And in New York, I was like, mm-hmm, okay. Like literally the week before I came out here. Oh, okay. And then I came out here and it's just like, womp, womp. Yeah, well, I've been First on of all, plenty of fish. This is the thing that's interesting, though. Bumble, the woman has to initiate the conversation. But the thing is, 
out here, I keep seeing guys who are like, I, first of all, I'm talking. I just instinctively just started swiping left with my thumb. <laughs> I don't have a phone on my hand. Okay. Um, but the guys out here, it's interesting because we're in entertainment. But when I see a guy that's in entertainment, I'm like, mm, 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 never mind. If I really? see actor, singer, rapper, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I know that. Like, really? See, April agrees with me. I, I can't do yeah. it. I can't do it. Yeah. Well, I don't want to date another comic, and I just really don't want to date an actor. Like, See, that's what I'm saying. But the thing is, I'll if they're cute enough, that's I'll. You? Are you crying to me? Um, dead dad. That's quiet not on the set, baby. Who is that? That's Jackie. Not, that is Jackie. Warner? Yeah, quiet oh, on the sorry. set, boo. Quiet on the set. Down, down, mommy. She's like dead dad. Down, mommy. Down. I didn't realize. I was anyway, um, down, mommy. Quite on set. She's good. Yeah. So, um, so uh, I will swipe. Well, not swipe because plenty of fish you don't swipe. People, I just let people like contact me and like right now I got my profile hidden because sometimes I be just needing a break from all the sleaze bags. You yeah. Know? But see, because L.A., I feel like L.A. is a city where everybody has dreams, and they stick to that dream for way past the expiration date. And so you may meet well, a guy. Why do you have to have an expiration date on your well, dream? What I'm saying is, is like they. I think everybody here wants to. Not everybody. I feel like a good portion of the people in LA want to serendipitously become famous. Yes. Versus doing the work. Versus working yes. your ass off. So when I meet a guy, he's like, "Yo, I do this, but I really do this." But you're not really doing that thing that you say you want to yeah, do. Then yeah. I'm like. Yeah. Okay, so you're really a mechanic. Let's yes. just say you're a mechanic. Let's just stick to the mechanic. Be a mechanic. Let's be a star mechanic. Yeah. Because you're not that. taking classes, you're not working out, you're not yeah. improving, you're not you're not doing any of the you're not doing yeah. student films. Yeah. You're not doing it's like me me saying I'm a comedian, but I'm doing open mics yeah. every three weeks. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like then you can just awesome straight ain't never doing shit about uh, shit. Yeah. I remember the first time I came to LA, I have uh, really good friends, family friends. Mm-hmm. And I came out here and I was like 19, 20 and I'd never been to LA before. And I wasn't I wasn't in entertainment. I was still in college. I was studying journalism, so I wasn't thinking about LA at all. So I just came to visit and we go to the supermarket and it's in Inglewood. So we go to the supermarket in Inglewood. That's where they fit that's my like my folks live. And we're at the cash register and the cashier is this guy and he was all right, decent looking guy. And he had his eight by 10 black and white glossy on the side of his register. And he was like, I'm an actor. And I was like, no, really right now you're a cash cashier. Like, cause he thought he was going to have his eight by 10 up and be discovered in a supermarket. You get what I'm saying? Guys, everyone, just so you know, um, (laughs) that was Morris Chestnut. (laughs) He was discovered right there at that grocery store. (laughs) <laughs> but that's what everybody wants and that's the same that's the same way i feel about if i were to come out here i would come out here for work only i wouldn't just up and move and be out here i would be here when when i'm getting a job and i need to be here for a couple months then i would i would like to be by coastal yeah ideally. yeah no and you know what me too and this i think it's so much easier to say i'm gonna come out here with a little job mm-hmm. when you're a writer yeah when you're a show person you mm-hmm. know like me i like hosting producing i'm not really like a i'm a writer in a sense of short form yeah. sketch writing mm-hmm. that's what i enjoy yeah but um when i think about uh writing professionally 
I don't think about getting a job on a team yeah. where the hours are nine to five mm-hmm. and I'm going to be right. You know what I'm saying? I, I think about uh, other L.A. opportunities. Yeah. So I think for the writer, it is good to be like, all right, well, I'll just apply for some writing jobs out there. I'll come out there and I'll get one. And but it, as a as a uh, on camera aspirationist. Yeah you have to come sometimes for the opportunity. Maybe you blow up in New York and maybe somebody says, damn, they want you in LA for this audition. Or maybe you come out to LA and be like, damn, I'm here LA Mm -hmm. and I want myself. So yeah, you know what I'm saying? And then they start wanting you too, you know, well, you're doing it right because you do your own, you was doing it in New York anyway. You were doing your own sketches and your own shows and everything. So you fit right in. Yeah. And, but I'm with you, how you were saying that, you know, it's just you by yourself. So sometimes you be doing it two weeks because that's how I am with Uplay. But you know what I've, I'm so comforted by? To be doing something, period. Yes. If people looked you up, they would definitely find a log of your mm-hmm. work that you've done. And it's just a matter of time where uh, an opportunity aligned itself with the work you've already produced. Yeah. You know, even if it's inconsistent. And let me tell you something. I, I say this as many times as I possibly can. I don't have a manager. I don't have an agent. Every single thing you that don't? I don't know. Chloe, I've been assuming you've been this big balling bitch no. ever. Mm-mm, I've never had a manager, never had an agent. Really? Everything I got is from people calling me directly. They go to my website. They look me up. They email me. And, they and just- this bitch, let me tell you all about Chloe. This bitch <laughs> works a lot. I was naturally standing back of. Uh, fucking envious and shit like this bitch got on last comic standing and got a damn agent yeah. damn it you no know because agent. i'm like and that's so crazy how that's how you do as an artist you always assume that someone else has it so much better than you they're just doing the fucking work to do all yeah. those things that you and, and you know what i'm saying people are surprised too with me i have had a manager God, I toy. I always toy with that same thing. I should have kept her, but I just feel like I need a manager. I either need a manager in comedy or I need an assistant in my own company mm. because um, the thing is you, you have to show, like you said, people want to see the work. Yeah. So, and I tell us to people, if you're, if you're an actor, singer, comedian and you don't have a website you're shooting yourself in the foot yeah and i don't care if your website is just a single page yeah it's like a, a reel of you yeah. performing and your email address yeah phone number that's something because and and this is an interesting thing and this is why i can see why people say if you if you're a writer or whatever and you come to new york you really i mean you come to la like you quickly so many things happen in in a simple conversation so i'm in a writer's room and my showrunner is an amazing african-american woman who's had 20 plus years of experience she's worked with a lot of amazing people she's worked on feature films she's written films she's produced she's done sketch comedy tv she's done a lot of stuff and so you end the room with her and then there's another uh writer in the room who also executive produced a television show that was on, on comedy central so these people have like years of experience and here i am i'm a journalist turned comedian i've been doing comedy for seven years and they've been doing it longer and they'll just be in a room and they are good friends with each other so they'll just be talking to each other like oh yeah so so-and-so got this deal and so-and-so got that and they're looking for this and they're looking for that and if chloe if you know anybody recommend any people wow. like just easily oh do you have this i can pass your script along like 
that's how it happens yes, yes. in a room. Yes. And the reason why it's so great in LA versus New York, one, LA is super tapped into the film and television market. Yes. If you're a comedian in New York and you want to write for television, you're really just saying, I want to write for late night. Cause that's really, yeah. that's all the yeah. late night talk shows. Yeah. But if you want to write for daytime or scripted or feature films, you yeah. kind of need to be out here. Yeah. And when people are, when people work with you and they experience you firsthand and they feel comfortable vouching for you, that goes so far yeah. because, you know, I'll be in a room and not to say this room, but, you know, I've been in conversations and somebody's name comes up and they'd be like, no, mm. it'll just, it takes one person to have a bad experience with you to be like, nah, I think we're good on that person. Wow. And so you, you have to, you have to be a, a pleasant enough. Yeah. <laughs> person to get along you can't be too pushy you have to you know be confident in yourself you have to admit when you don't know something and be willing to learn like there's no ego when you're trying to win there's no ego when you're trying to win yes you can't have one and you know what i feel like that it's like that for uh on the performance side as well yeah because because the thing is you're a black woman who's out here you sing you produce your own show yes you have an amazing personality you have you have the southern charm and that is alarming to people out here because it's a different type of black person that comes out here yeah you know what i mean i'm not being shady but i'm just saying it's like i you have a realness to you I feel you. I feel the exact <laughs> same way. And you know what? I feel like the black, black people mm-hmm. make it out here. When I see people experiencing like, you know, well, I can't say a high level of success, but I do watch the trends of the blacks in particular that make it. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like it's the blacks with all white friends. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, out here in LA, it seems like that ghetto black is like yeah. the whites are like, "Hey, Dell, you're fine. We love your ghetto ness. Yeah. Can you bring more of that to the state? Yeah. What is that term you use, hood rat? I love it. Yeah. Let's get more hood ratish <laughs> shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like the Booker's other places were accustomed to people who fit inside the box inside of their head. Mm-hmm. People are trying to jump out of that box, but they're just like, oh, we like this one style guy in the box. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you'll go into a club and I could just take 40 naps inside of some of the clubs. But also, you got to think about it. I just realized this is that when you look at the when you look at the popular and successful black comedians who popped. They all popped in L.A. Martin Lawrence. Yes. The exception of Chris Rock. Yeah. But in in Chappelle, with those two exceptions, but Chappelle wasn't, I mean, I, I don't know, but I just is waiting for me. transcends Ch- location, I think. Yeah, because Ohio, he's not from New York. Ohio, D.C., yeah. New York, yeah. L.A. So, because he started in D.C. really young, so he, yeah. he was all over the place. But when you think about people who, blo- Richard Pryor was based here. Yeah. You know, Chris Tucker based here. Like, yeah. all of these black comedians yeah. who've done well and, and exploded, they they started in, not started, but they. New York. They, and then, and then they, they come to, to New York, L.A. Yeah. And then they kind of blow up. And they are all famous for being that personality being themselves chris oh my I god mean, kevin hart is the same person in every single movie yes yes people hire kevin hart they don't care about his acting they ability. don't care and you know what i can honestly say i enjoy his comedic acting mm-hmm. i don't 
watch Kevin Hart stand up because as a stand up, I don't watch too many people stand. Yeah. I don't just sit back and be like, let me see what they said new. You know, mm -hmm. I'm creating my own material and sometimes other people's uh, material can stick with you. Yeah. And I try to not uh, absorb it at all to make certain now if you're having a set on late night and i can catch it then i'll yeah, tune in it's, and it's, it's five minutes if, if it stinks it's five but minutes but i'm just if not it's gonna good, do hey let me get this new so-and-so dvd oh yeah i do except try, for dave chappelle though dave chappelle and such an entertainer i i, I did go i went to see chappelle i went to see chappelle at uh, radio city music during his um run uh-huh and it was very interesting it was interesting because it made me feel very conflicted about how I want to approach my comedy, not as my and not as a performer, but and it's something that you can't control. But as the audience, it his audience was about eighty percent white every single night because I know people that went, and you could you got the sense that they were there because they knew they were supposed to be there. Like it was the hot ticket. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. this is the hot show. I want to go to, I want to go to the hot show. I want to be yeah. able to brag and say that yeah. I went to the hot show. Not that I know his material and I really love him as a comedian. It's just like, I watch the Chappelle show and everybody's going to be talking about this show. So let me just, I got $200 Let me spend $200 and yeah. go to the Chappelle show. Yeah. I got $800. I got a thousand not because it's yeah. expensive as shit. Yeah. And so you got the feeling of like, Oh, okay. They know who he is because he's a top level person, but they don't really know who yeah. he is. Yeah. And so when, you know, the, he had every night he had uh, different comics open for him. So it was like Hannibal. So people know Hannibal from Broad City, you know, so they, there's like face recognition. Yeah. Uh, and then Chappelle comes out and, you know, everybody stands up and they applaud. I'm like, oh my God, you're the man. You know, I heard these one, um, these like young kids, you know, probably like in their twenties. They were like, oh, I watched, she was like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared for tonight. I watched like every episode of Chappelle show for tonight. And I'm like, mm, yeah, that's yeah. not how this works. And then as soon as he starts talking, everything is funny. And then like, you know, about a third into his set, maybe two thirds into his set, he starts talking about like, trans issues and racism in America and you could see people being like oh. you mm. know and he's hitting truth bombs because if you know Dave Chappelle Dave Chappelle yes. well, he gives you the funny but he's giving you facts oh, yeah. and he's giving you history, history and he's giving you context Yes, and so when he starts laying it down all the uh, people of color in the audience is like that's right mm -hmm. yes. and I was sitting next to this white <laughs> I was sitting next to this white boy and he was quiet as shit when he was talking about race. And I was like, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, but I thought you liked him. Yeah. See, because if you if you liked him, then you gonna uh, yeah. you gonna laugh at this shit because it's funny and it's true. Yeah. But now he's saying something that could uh, affect your person your personal life and make you and make you question how you personally think about race in America. Which is great. It's great, but see, you hope you can only hope that maybe ten percent of those white people actually absorbed what he was saying because you know when somebody when white people see Dave Chappelle, they're not seeing a black man; they're seeing Dave Chappelle. You know, because yeah. they the, the more successful you are, they will they will remove your race from you because they like you. They don't realize that you black because you famous. Yeah, you, you famous before you black. Yeah. So to me, that was like a hard part because it's like, yeah, he's and he says it. He was like, man, if I didn't have white people in the audience, I'd make eleven dollars tonight. Like that's yeah. one of his jokes. Yeah. And it's sad, but it's true. But it doesn't have to be true. I feel like the more level of success you have the more likely your audience is going to be less diverse. 
and and that's true that's because something the you, more you're charging for the ticket, <laughs> yes. you definitely are going to attract Exclu- the people who mm-hmm. can afford the ticket. And I watched Dave Chappelle live in preparation for the Radio City Music. He was out here at the Comedy Store, and he even touched on uh, if he lost all the white audience. Yeah. You know, he was like, I could, I just could never lose my white audience. Cause you know, of course he talked about race and he was just like, you know, you talking about having to reduce my quality living, of living, my yeah. quality of living mm-hmm. if my white audience goes It's away. fucked up. Ain't it? And it is. And, and you know what? Uh, the Lord brings people in with Dave Chappelle's strength to that high level of visibility because he is unafraid. Oh, to yes. Attack to not attack, but to um, address mm-hmm. those issues, mm-hmm. regardless of because he because he already has the money. Yeah. So he's not losing. But anything. he was addressing those issues kind of on the on a spell show, of yeah. course. But people wasn't he did it in such a, a layered way that that a white audience didn't realize that he was talking about them. Yeah. You know, because it was so funny. Yeah. We watched it like, damn, he got away with saying that shit on TV. Yes. No, but and girl Chris Rock did the same thing on the Chris Rock show. Definitely did. He definitely did. And I think that see right there, that those two people alone give me so much strength as a mm-hmm. comedian because you can only blow up to that level when you're yourself. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why almost every famous person, me and my sister was just talking about this. When you work with a famous oh, we, we just went to the Snoop show. Mm. And Snoop was like, you know, he was looking at the shit that they had wrote. He'd be like, he was like, don't nobody even say that shit no more. I ain't saying that shit. Next. And I was just <laughs> commenting to my sister when we was talking about that. Like, you know, you do have to have that kind of strength because it's a whole bunch of peons that want to tell you how they would do some shit. And you nigga, you not you're not out here doing it. No. You you've never been on the stage and you're gonna tell me what I'ma say? Mm-mm. Nah. You need to stay in your place. Like, just just, just, just get a conversation going yeah. in the audience, nigga, because that's where you be at. It's tough. It's tough. It's, it's not tough, but I think when you are an artist and you realize that you're at a crossroads of being like, yeah. do I tone it down a little bit? Yeah. And get a larger audience? Or do I stay true to who I am and take a little bit longer to find my ride or die audience? And I think that... For me, I have to take a little bit longer mm-hmm. because I so enjoy being myself on stage. And also, too, I think when you are yourself and you can if, if you're if you're one of that style yeah. comic, because I'm also one of that style comic where I will be like, here's what it is. But, white how, does folks. That, but how do you deal with that in LA? Because, you know, I have my biases when it comes to the LA scene. And I feel like a lot of these comics are just doing what they think they need to do to be seen by a casting agent. That's never an audience. And <laughs> I, you, and you, but you better be goddamn right. And let me just tell you why that does not count whatsoever. That set that you do, that killer set you do on stage, that ain't shit because on that set, I just been hanging out on this set where they're filming this show and mm-hmm. they all, you know, I know the people, so mm-hmm. I'll hang out and uh, there's 14 other people hanging out for free waiting for their fucking opportunity. Your killer set, even if they saw you, it means nothing because yeah. somebody is in that face every talking, day. Chatting them Looking up. eye to eye like, oh, 
you on stage you on stage killing it and the person you hope to see you is being is telling somebody they order for lunch because i'll go get your lunch man don't worry about it i'll go detail your car don't worry about it yes (laughs) and because you couldn't afford to pay them and they're there for so much loyalty mm-hmm. whenever you do get some time and they got a whack-ass idea you're like fuck it this is my boy going to get coffee every morning yeah. this, da, 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 da. that's how all that shit get picked up mm-hmm. because them people there every day giving their time dedicated doing it holding your bag holding your bag holding it down scheduling getting cast getting staff sending out emails and they're not even promoting. working they're not even getting paid yes they living with their mama and they like this my way in. Mm. This is the hotel I'm arrived. So when you, as a comic, you like, oh, I can't. I see. I need to just build the relationships. Yeah, because it ain't about this one killer set not, out here. They're not. They're not watching your set they're at not all. Watching your set. Yeah, but um, I feel like with LA though, um, I feel like I'm better received mm-hmm. being myself. Yeah, and that's what it's really taught me because in New York. I had not had a lot of, I, I did have white exposure, but I would have it at this one place. And maybe I was just as comfortable there, so I didn't feel like, uh, I had I'd just grown comfortable there. Mm-hmm. In L.A., I have to be comfortable everywhere I go when it's an all-white audience. Because when you work the clubs, the clubs are very white. So And the audience can tell. Yes. They can tell when you're nervous or when you don't do it a lot. Because they're actors. Because yeah. they're actors themselves. Exactly. And they want to get on. Yeah. You know? But, um... I feel like I'm so much more received just being myself. Even if I be like, white people, y'all, y'all be shutting down on me sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like that's just so much more received, well received. But to the audience's defense, I'm so much more comfortable. Yeah. So they're getting course, a better, they're yeah. getting a better experience. Yeah. So if if I didn't uh, feel well received in New York, is because I wasn't receiving myself well in that audience you know when mm-hmm. they're when i'm judging them they judging me back yeah when i don't judge them and i want all, to just, yeah it's interesting because even though new york city for the most part is a it feels as though it's a liberal place the audiences are pretty conservative they are and you don't realize that they're like they're like new york is liberal in a sense like yeah who cares about gay like gay people yeah. could be able to get married yeah and then when you start talking about class and race and shit yeah. and money yes you talk about money on stage yes. and people looking at you like Mm-mm-mm. yes i felt the exact same way and in fact i've even said it a few times when i went to do the knitting factory mm-hmm. in williamsburg, williamsburg yeah. i would be like oh these are all the pretend cool white people right here mm-hmm. because i see a certain racial subject makes y'all clam Cringe. up yeah so and the only people who clam up are the people that are not as comfortable as you appear yeah to be but out here i feel like no these are the real liberals out here yeah because Everyone is gay or white or Jewish or some mm-hmm. from somewhere else or Armenian or Mexican and yeah. Blackskin, whatever it is. But they're just like, hey, mommy, just be yourself. Just because I think it's also it's a different type of it's a different type of like working class people out here. Does that make sense? Like I feel like in New York is working class people, but they don't necessarily have to like mix and mingle. And I think in L.A. is like everybody wants to go out and do yes. something like yeah. like people go out and do things in central locations. Yeah. So y'all be at the club. You'll be in New York is. Yeah. Waspy whites at this club. Black people at this club. Spanish people at yeah. this club. Like. Yeah. Here it's this place is jumping. Yep. And everyone drives to this place. <laughs> yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? And, it, and it's something about that car, um, the car driving lifestyle that kind of. I think it makes you it makes you um, more willing to engage with people when you're in a place because you've been in your car by yourself. Yeah. Versus when you're in New York City and you got to interact with people yeah. all day, you don't want to have to interact with yeah. people anymore after that. Yeah. Like, let me get to know you because I want to get to know you, not yeah. because you just stepped in my foot and we trying yeah. not to have a fight on a four train. Yeah. And I think because we're crowded all day in New York, mm -hmm. that's where you long for your space when you get off. Yeah. Same as you said, in the car by yourself. So now you you don't yeah. you don't need your space. That's true. And also, too, here in L.A., you better be talking to people if you want to get on. Yeah. And that's why everybody oh, somebody like, talked somebody talked me up. I came by so on Where? Thursday. On Thursday, I um, went to see Dell. Dell was hosting Crack 'Em Up Thursdays, which at, I love so much at the Comedy Store, produced by Nichelle. Shout out to Nichelle. And um, I was just in the green room talking, and you know, I'm not used to aggressive comedians conversation not an aggressive like in a bad way but just like hey so like very like hey so what's up what's your name where you from what you doing why you here yeah i don't know how to talk like that yeah because that's not i'm not <laughs> used to that so they're like oh so what are you doing here and i'm like oh you're visiting from new york yeah i'm visiting from new york oh okay because they saw me talking to you so they figured yeah. you know but they yeah. wanted to know what's my story oh you're yeah. comedian yes, i'm a comedian i'm visiting from new york oh, okay so what you out here for oh, i'm working on a show oh what's the show it's like oh it's a sketch comedy show oh who's producing it what yeah. And and she like I was talking and you could tell a person was like, You're not giving me enough information. Yes. And in my mind I'm like and I said, I said, I don't I don't think I know how to have this conversation. And um <laughs> that's another thing. I'm glad you said that too, Chloe. Because that is another thing I love about LA. Mm -hmm. In New York I felt like it was very closed circuit. You yeah. you give the information when it comes out. Yeah. You know, because you don't know everything is up in the air. Here, people are like, oh, you should get in touch with this specific person. Yeah. Oh, she's, you don't know her name? Let me just tell you. Look up social security number 577-165291. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They give up every bit mm -hmm. of information mm -hmm. because they're like, it's enough going around. So yeah. if you don't get it, I'll get it. Mm -hmm. But somebody needs to go over there and get it. Yeah. That's how it, the culture is. Everyone is like, hey, um, did you get that posting about this? Did you see that? The, yeah. the, there's everyone knows why everyone is here. Mm. So everyone is like, oh, it doesn't matter. You're going to get it. I'm going to get it. Who cares? Long as one of us gets Got it. it. Okay. Because I was taking it like. Yeah. No, I they felt, give up all the information. I don't. Yeah. And it's I just wasn't I was not prepared yeah. to be giving up information like, like that. You can get to people. You can be like, <laughs> oh, what's um. You got Jay-Z's number? Is he in town? Motherfuckers be like, oh, yeah, I got it. Because, I mean, take your chances. Because I don't know. Da, 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 da. Like, literally, like, take this matter of factual information <laughs> and keep it going. Because yeah. they'll probably reject us both or they'll accept us both. Either yeah. way. Okay, that's a different way yeah. to look at it. Because no, I wasn't looking I'm at it like you, that it's before. It's, like, so giving. And I'm talking about I'm running into James Davis. And he's like, oh, I don't book the show. This other girl is. So, but just let me give you her information. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, not let me give you her information. But, like, let me give you her name so that you can ask yeah. her. I'm yeah. just hosting this. But make sure you ask this girl in yeah. particular. It wasn't like, shit, if you ain't on late night, you probably ain't yeah. going to get this. It wasn't that culture. It was like, girl, you could probably get on this shit. Ask, believe, receive. Bye. <laughs> Ask, believe, receive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because this is the town of fate. I don't know if you've seen the moon at night. Have you seen the moon at night since you watch it? Since yeah. you've been here? Yeah. I think it's, it, it looks closer here in L.A. 
<laughs> it looks closer. It is, it is much brighter. It is yes, brighter. Yes, it looks like it's. it comes lower. It comes lower everywhere, but in New York, the buildings are so tall, it hides behind the buildings. Yeah. In L.A., this is desert sky, yeah. essentially. So you see how low the moon can get as it's traveling the world mm-hmm. every night. Yeah. And um, and I feel like the ta- we can see the moon. I feel like the Lord covers us with the moon. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he talks to us through that moon because this is a faith-based town. Everyone is here yeah. with that measure of faith trying to make it. Everyone... And and they all do. Even uh, I don't know if you know who Hope Flood is. I know that name. I know that name. She has she has started the Females Rock mm-hmm. convention. Okay, years ago. Now I have never been to her convention, but I always run into like because because the convention is for newer comedians. Oh, okay. And um, I every time I run into some of the, now and now it's the Comics Rock convention because she's opened it up to mm-hmm. everybody because there are a lot of new people. You yeah. know, um. Now, hopefully I was on BT way back in the day mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, kills it. And she's done a lot of chitlin circuit stuff. Yeah. But even for her still pursuing something in the game, yeah. still being out there, still working hard. That convention is very successful every year. Mm. Like people are flying into town every year since I've been here. Twice now, when I first got here, somebody, I ran into somebody like three months after I got here, they were in town. They were like, oh, yeah, because she has Coco Brown is teaching this class and Tiffany Haddish is hosting this show. I'm talking about this is your average Chitlin Circuit, used to be on TV, comic. You know, you wouldn't know her from doing Caroline's a whole lot. But you now still know her, even as a newer comedian. Because she got 20 years in the game. 20 years in the game, plus you're doing your thing with this new angle. Mm -hmm. Everybody ain't going to be like, I'm going to get to the TV. Now I'm out here strictly pursuing the television because (laughs) I want to work as a stand-up in the mainstream uh, arenas. You know what I'm saying? Um, But for her, she might not want to work as a stand-up in the mainstream arenas. She might be like, you know what? I can guide a lot of young girls because I've experienced this. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, whenever I've spoken with her, um, it's always like, you know, look out for this. Be careful for that. And you need that, too. Yeah. You you need that, too. Wow. Yeah. We talked about so much. I know. It's time for us to conclude the episode the way we always do. Del, what makes you a social misfit? I don't know how to term it good, but I'm just going to say my online split personality. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so Zen yogi. Um, Russell Simmons ish on most <laughs> of the days. And then other days I'm feeling like Marilyn Manson, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or whoever killed a whole lot of people, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So, um, and that's when you get those posts yeah. of, you know, nigga, you know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> has it ever gotten you in trouble because people proceed like i met you seven years ago it's a long time ago yep and i was like oh she seems really nice and yeah has that ever gotten people to be like oh i did not know the side of Dell? always because i be like over the years i you know we make friends in the business and then we fall the fuck out mm-hmm. and then girl when i fall out oh like straight greaseball like you know you go all out <laughs> 
You think I'd be in an argument like, you know what? I'm just going to breathe 10 times <laughs> and you'll be gone after that. No, I'd be like, you white bitch. Fuck you. <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> but you know <laughs> why? This is the thing. I think people think you're so nice because you're from New Orleans. So it's like, oh, hey, baby. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hey, baby. No, but I am like that. <laughs> but I mean, first of all, to my defense and everybody else's defense, who doesn't go greasy in an argument? Of course. If you're not greasy in an argument, you're not here. Human. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I t- has, has, has there ever been anything you said in an argument that you that you regret? Um, only every girl. When I tell you I'm on apology tour, <laughs> I have sent so many random apologies out because what it is is, it, you know, of course, for taking a communication class, I feel so much better. Mm-hmm. But what it is is, you know, I would have the story built up in my head. Mm. So before I even talk to the person, I'm already I'm already damn near explosive from the conversation I had with them in my head. Now, as soon as they say one thing, I'm like, what, bitch, what, what, you know, but I'm not, you know, the issue that I'm trying to communicate is valid. Yeah. But the level of 10 I was on. It was coming from the backstory that you tell yourself. Yeah. And now I just try to tell myself less backstories or I would try to just smoke some weed before I <laughs> communicate because, you know, I want to just keep it cool. Like, because essentially there's no, you, you don't have to, uh, if, if you think about it for five more minutes, mm-hmm. you can communicate exactly what you want to say without there being a fallout. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if you don't give yourself that five minutes, then you know you about to yeah. pop the top and i've popped the top i mean i just sent out an apology to this producer i was working with lord think talk about fucking working with people yeah. and now regretting the conversation mm-hmm. you have with somebody no of course now they had their shit too because yeah. that's how it is in everywhere mm-hmm. Every, you know you're not i'm not unprovoked doing yeah, some shit yeah, yeah. okay but um I did send him an apology to be like, hey, I'm sorry about the way I communicated years ago. And I really appreciate the opportunity because I did have a valid point. But it was just uh, being able to say, hey, I really feel like I wanted to go this way. How do we go this way as opposed to being like, what? I keep telling y'all I need y'all to go like this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like you, you, you know, my backstory is like, oh, they they fucking hating on me. They see I'm. But yeah. they're not hating on you. They're trying to give you the opportunity, mm-hmm. but they're not going about it the, the way you want. The way, not that you want, but a great way. Because after I stopped working with them, I did my own. Uh, I start. I took the tips that they were doing and applied them to my own web series, and then I got on so much shit, so many television opportunities from that, wow. so many other shit, so many. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Work with so many people from just continuing the project and just doing it myself mm-hmm. because I felt like. Okay, well, you know, I was hoping we was gonna work together, but because I got my own camera and sound, I'll just do it my goddamn <laughs> of self. Of course, that's you know what I'm saying. Go. And now I'm, I'm y'all, y'all making me dress myself because that's what it is. Is I wanted their assistance, yeah, on building the content. But what they would do is they would be like, "Well, child, you just gotta come up that way on your own." And you know, and then when I would come up with it on my own, they would be there to be like, you know, that last take had me sleep. Now, um. That's not so bad because you need honesty when you're building funny. Mm -hmm. But because I desired their help, I would feel under the pressure because this guy was always just critiquing. Well, critiquing, but making me feel like, you know, I could work with anyone and I chose you. And 
that's not a you know that doesn't put the artist at like hey i want to work maximum because you know you chose me because i'm over here i'm not responding but i'm feeling like nigga nigga i'm a star too you need to be wanting to work with me too but i would respond to him in my head but i wouldn't be like hey what did you mean by that and just clear it up Mm -hmm. like i would do now yeah Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I just send him a message and be like, hey, I'm really uh, sorry about the way I communicated with you. And I appreciate the opportunity so much because um, maybe you'll work with them one of these days. Maybe they'll work with me one of these days. And you clear the air. And I clear the air because there's no need to have unclear air when the shit is over. You know what I'm saying? It's over. I forgive them. Hopefully they forgive me. Hopefully everybody that I've ever done some shit forgive me, but that don't mean I'm not going to be like, bitch, fuck you when the time is right because, you know, you do get pissed off and and you got to give yourself those moments too. You know what I'm saying? That's true. So, yeah. So, Del, where can people follow you on social media and come Uh, to your show and everything? Follow me. First of all, I told you at Stand Up Storytelling Singing, S-A-N-G-I-N, because black people don't sing. Yes. We sing. We sing with an A. Yes, with an apostrophe in. Okay, <laughs> sang it. Um, and then follow me on every other social media. And I got to get my website too. I'm glad you mentioned that too yeah. because, you know, just building myself up in LA, mm-hmm. you know, I had just been like, fuck everything because I need to just, just get, a little, get the rent yeah. going. What is it? So but, on um, Twitter is the Del Harrison. It is I am D-E-L oh, Harrison on everything. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I am D-E-L Harrison mm-hmm. on everything. Y'all got to see Chloe. She done lost weight. <laughs> She out here looking good, getting her Hollywood on. Oh, I'm trying. All she needs is her sun shades and her foreign accent. Yeah, I forgot my shape in Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys for listening. This has been another great episode. I appreciate Del for letting me into her home and meeting her dogs. Um, Check her out. I have all information below. Thanks for listening to 